Time now for AliCast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, we'll offer insights about Chinese consumers and brands doing business in China. We'll delve into global online retail, cloud computing, big data, and other must-know topics and issues in and around one of China's largest companies. I'm Adam Najberg. I'm here with the founders of Cupital, Andy and Winston. Guys, thanks for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me, what is Cupital? Cupital is a trade finance platform. So it enables, on one side, businesses uh, who sell to other businesses take their account receivables and put it onto our platform, and we link them up with institutional investors, high net worth individuals. And they will purchase their account receivables from them at a discount,、um, so that one side the businesses they are able to get immediate cash flow, and on the other side,、uh, investors are able to get a access into a new type of asset class, where it's you know short-term maturity,、uh, low correlation to other assets, and also has quite an attractive、uh, yield. So that's what the main gist of Cupital is: as we perform a You know, a matchmaking between the two parties and trying to seek win-win opportunities for all. So, if I had to put this on an individual basis, in the United States, we have something called payday lending. I know I'm going to get my paycheck on Friday, but I'm I need liquidity now. I need the cash now. Is this kind of the corporate equivalent of that? Yep, it is. Yeah, actually, you can place your account receivable onto our platform, and then we can link you up to the professional investor, so they can pay you upfront. Uh, for your invoices. So just just so that I understand it fully, you guys are providing the the technology and the infrastructure to make this kind of pairing work. You're not the actual lender yourself. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, we provide the due diligence, the customer onboarding on both sides to make sure that you know everything is covered and you know the, the, there's trust in our platform. How did you come up with this idea in the first place? Okay, so we've got different stories.、Uh, after graduating college, I was working in Denmark, and I realized that there's a lot of platforms popping up around Europe, in the UK, in Spain, in、uh, Switzerland, that had you know innovative new alternative financing solutions for businesses that were built around this kind of account receivable model. And I was looking at Asia and saw that you know there was a huge opportunity in Hong Kong, especially seeing that it's very export-driven country with a lot of smaller and medium-sized companies. So that's when I got the idea to you know come back to Hong Kong and see if we can you know replicate the, those business models. So that's、yeah. that's your story, Andy. What,、yeah. what about you? Actually,、uh, I graduated from HKUST, and then I I studied computer engineering. But、uh, my first job was working at a factoring house doing receivable financing. And then I traveled a lot. I went to China. I I went to Hebei, Shanghai, Beijing, and I saw that a lot of P two P lending platform. So there's almost three thousand something at the moment, and it's part to you know me. Um, why don't we just lend our money? Uh, out uh, without using our balance sheet, we can do a platform. We can do a P two P factoring platform. So I proposed this、uh, to my boss.、Uh, however, she may not have many 
online financing experience. So uh, she rejected me at the moment, and I try to do a lot of research. After all, I I see there's a lot of similar platform in UK in US, and then uh, and then I I just get another job, but I uh, I didn't you know I didn't think about I will have a business. But uh, until I met Andy, and then we share our similar idea, and then we just want to form a company. So, Andy, you're talking about the possibilities that you saw from Europe, and you're talking about U.S. and U.K., and then you just casually mentioned, oh, and then when I met Andy, we decided to do something together. What's that story? How did you guys meet each other? We actually met playing basketball in Hong Kong. Yeah. 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 Um, Did did he dunk on you? (laughs) (laughs) No, luckily not, yeah. And yeah, yeah, I feel like you can you know see a lot of a person's personality through how they play like a certain sport, yep. you know whether they're a team player or the, you know they're thinking about their own shot, and so I think yeah that we really clicked there and um so what did you learn about his personality for, through his his game first does he have game <laughs> yeah, he definitely has game, and uh yeah you know he 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 he's uh puts all his effort on you know both both offense and defense you know he 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 definitely um thinks of his teammates first uh, he's a distributor so uh, you know that's the same type of mentality i have when i i i play the game as well so it's uh you know we we, we are a good fit yeah. i think personality wise both on and off the court we just randomly had a chat at that moment and then he knew me uh i i, I was doing factoring for a company and then he knew well, what is factoring and we just share the the you know uh knowledge and then we just uh we, we mentioned that uh, there's a lot of sim- uh, platform in US and UK and we both can mention the name and the 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 uh structures the product so we basically you know um have a click uh, at the moment yeah well you mentioned factoring what is yeah. factoring Factoring is just like a receivable financing. So it's like uh, what we're doing. Uh, actually, uh, there's is a one ki- uh, is one of the trade finance ported in the bank, and there's a lot of uh, factoring house doing similar business too. And we just try to put it online, and to, we just try to link up the professional investor to buy the invoice rather than using our own balance sheet like the bank. Both of you arrived in a similar place. So the idea can't be that hugely original, yet you're successful. What's the secret sauce for Cupidal? What makes it different? Well, I think we definitely understand uh, our own market well. And then secondly is that the, our onboarding process, it, it's in our digital um, Know Your Customer. That's done, I think, quite streamlined and uh, so when new customers uh, do approach us, the friction of their onboarding process, which is usually when a lot of the customers get lost on the in the in the in the, in the funnel, is uh, is during that initial process. We have to collect a lot of documents and do a lot of due diligence. So we streamline that and make it very user friendly and allow them to start trading, you know, with as soon as possible. And so our whole process takes you know between five to seven business days. You, you kind of waltzed right past the thing that sinks many a business, which is not having customers. You said, oh, we know our customers. How do you know them? How do you find them? That has to be a differentiator, too, because you have customers. Actually, at the beginning, we didn't have a lot of resources. So we just tried cold calling. We just tried uh, visiting the expo and try to know more people. 
and uh, try to pitch them with our product. So we found that there's a lot of SME. They are facing the uh, the, the short uh, shortage of fund uh, to grow their business. So um, yeah, this is how we start. And then uh, after years, uh, we prove our concept and then we try to raise uh, our Series C one. And we successfully raised two million uh, USD uh, for them uh, from that moment, and then we try to build up our team, and we have our own marketing team. So right now, uh, uh, we have a very diversified channel to approach our customer. When you talk about how you started, it sounds kind of like two guys in a platform yeah. and and a lot of wishes and dreams. You yeah. you really burned a lot of shoe leather trying to yeah. get noticed, yeah? yeah, right. And you did get noticed. People did start to use you and you're saying it's uh because you make it easy frictionless to get on and it sounds like you were scaling as well uh you learned how to pitch to to get money from investors who's the closer which one of you guys is the closer on these deals i think both yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i think uh uh, one of the advantage or secret sauce that we have is um we both have a, a engineering background so we both graduate from um, you know computer science and computer engineering degrees um, we both know how to code we don't just have the financial knowledge but we also know how to build the product without the technology so uh, this is uh, a bit different from other startup they may hire an IT team but we know how to code at the very beginning I mean, you've touched on something that I think is really important which is customers don't really use a technology they use a service because they believe in it and that means in a lot of cases especially for a startup company they believe in the people behind it investors don't invest in a business plan they invest in the team again it always comes back to people what is it about you i mean and you were talking about just randomly saying oh i was working in denmark like how did you land in denmark what brought you to that that point i'd like to hear a little bit more about you and then I want to ask you the oh, same okay, question, sure. I was uh, born and raised in New Zealand, and uh, I went to college um, in the U.S. where I studied computer science and economics. Where'd you go? Brown University. And so over there, um, a lot of my computer science pairs, um, they either went off you know, to Silicon Valley or New York. And then um, and you just picked Denmark. Qu- quite a lot of them uh, ended up uh, you know, pursuing uh, startups and, and entrepreneurship as well. So there, there was, um, you know, competitions and entrepreneurship programs um, during college, and uh, I got quite invested in those. So uh, after graduating, I decided that I wanted to work at a startup as well. Um, and there was one in Denmark that was hiring engineers, and I went there and, you know, picked up quite a lot of the uh, skill sets and also the, you know, the mentality and the, the thinking patterns that working at a startup entails rather than you know working established tech giants so um that's why i I went to denmark because i wanted to be more involved in in the startup scene and then then the next step was hong kong what are the skill sets that you picked up there yeah you definitely need to be adaptable very quickly because you know your idea uh, is constantly changing so uh, w- what you build last month might not be usable today. So you have to make sure that what you're building technically is flexible. And then also at the same time, everyone has to wear a lot of hats because you, know, you don't have dedicated maybe testing teams, QA, you know, QA and then deployment. And so uh, as a tech team, everyone has to be 
knowledgeable in all those areas. Everyone has to kind of be a jack of all trades. Winston, what about you? What about your your background? It, it sounds you said you came from a, an engineer, uh, a computing, a computer science background, yep. and you said you're both engineers essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. I graduated from Hong Kong University of Science and Technology, and yeah, actually at that moment I didn't find uh, the atmosphere uh, of you know uh, funding a startup uh, is very good at that moment. I didn't you know heard many about the entrepreneurship or the startup or private equity f- uh, venture capital. I didn't heard much about that until I met Andy and you know and I tried to you know understand the culture of US and and yeah I found um, yeah we Hong Kong need more entrepreneur and also I'm interested to 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 play a important role in the startup and also would like to find a business I mean find a startup I mean uh, actually I, at, at, I mean at the very beginning I didn't realize that I want to work in a startup or I want to find a business yeah. and what was the runway for you guys once you said once you hit it off on the basketball court came up with the idea from the gestation of the idea to the execution of the platform to the, the actual launch of it, wh- how much time are we talking about? And when was that? Yeah, um, that was early 2016. So it took up actually until August 2016. So let's say we started fully committing to this around March of 2016. It took about five months to get all the uh, you know technical infrastructure and then also the legal groundwork done. For us to launch the platform in August of 2016. Did you have any fear, loathing, or self-doubt from the time that you thought of it to the time you started doing it? No, we were both pretty confident in yeah. in um, that we were going to achieve something, with, yeah. but we didn't kind of know who our customers were back then. So that's why we had to call a lot of different industries and a lot of companies of different sizes to to see you know where our sweet spot was in the beginning yeah so we had companies introduced to us from, by you know our network and our friends and some of them were just too big for us to handle or some of them had accounts receivables but they were only like 30 days so they didn't need us so yeah it, it, it took a while to figure out you know who who our ideal customers were but we were confident that there was um that 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 we could make something for the market. Actually, at that day we had doubts when we met our friends, uh, which is uh, a logistic company, and they are too big um, for us. So they, they they don't need any financing, so they just turn you know turn down our proposal. Uh, but uh, I I just try to ask Andy so uh, what we gonna to do at the moment, and then we try to think of a solution that we try to you know uh, go. To, Visit the HKTDC. There are lots of suppliers uh, on the website, so we try to get the list, and then we try to approach them one by one. So that's why we uh, how we start our cold calling at the moment. But finally, we really we, we successfully onboard three at least right uh, from that list. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, we yeah. did it like three in a month, I think. Yeah. yeah. Did you both make the cold calls? Yeah. yeah. How, what What does that feel like when you're calling up you're not asking someone for money you're asking them to use your your platform to find out if they need money right right what does it feel like when you cold call yeah i mean it's a skill set that we didn't have before right so we had to develop it on the fly and yeah we just have to have a thick skin and you know uh, be very receptive to being rejected and then 
um, just don't give up and keep encouraging each other. So back then we only had uh, one tabletop phone. So we were like learning from each other's mistakes and taking turns on it. And the script yeah. we have changed a lot of times. Uh, you know, at the very beginning, we just when we pick up the call, and then you know they easily we we are easily to get rejected by them. But we try to improve our. Uh, I mean, try to change the script and try to hold as long as we can. You know, try to uh, talk more and try to. Break it through from their uh, secretary or the the, the how do you say receptionist. Yeah. yeah. Does it typically take more than one call to get someone to use your platform to trust you? Yeah, definitely. And or it it takes a call or two to get an uh, initial meeting, and then we usually do those face to face so that we can um, you know learn more uh, about their reaction to what we're saying and how receptive they are to. Um, the, the product because it's hard to kind of tell over the phone if they're just kind of you know trying to uh, um, if whether they're wasting your time but if they're committed to a face-to-face meeting then um, you, you can definitely learn a lot more and from we, those yeah and we had a trick right we try to print different name cards so I am the sales managers and he's like a technical, uh, consultant. technical consultant so it looks uh, it looks like we have a bigger company than <laughs> just the two people yeah, well, I mean, now we're in 2018. It probably is bigger. How big are you guys now? We're almost 30 now. Yeah. Are you still cold calling yourselves, or do you have people who do that for you? Yeah, we've got people that do that for us. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably have a lot of repeat business and word of mouth. It probably plays a big role in in success, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd say over 90 percent of the customers use us. You know, four months down the line. At what point did you know that you needed to raise money? That you said you raised two million. Yeah. Is that U.S. dollars? Yeah. And where did you raise it? Where? At what point did you know you needed it? Uh, and where uh, did you? We, we raised raise it in uh, uh, April 2017. We realized we needed it when we started hiring interns, right? And they, you know, they they were helping us doing cold calls as well. But we realized that, you know having a full-time salesperson does actually benefit us a lot and then that so we can focus on you know the other aspects of our, our business um so you know we needed a team and with that that our current stage of you know financing situation we weren't going to be able to do unless we seeked out you know external funding yeah, actually we have a plan before so we are targeting to raise fund when we have about 10 customers so finally we just you know, meet our target and we just uh, try to approach different VC at the moment, our angel investor. Yeah. And what was that like, approaching them and what was your pitch when you would approach them? We, we had a very uh, simple pitch, pitch deck, right? We tried to clearly state the market size, the market opportunity, and we tried to tell them what our product is and we tried to bring another platform like the similar platform in UK and US and let them know how successful they are right now and we try to replicate this model to Hong Kong and tell them we need a team we need a you know uh, quite a risk team we need a sales team we need marketing yeah that's kind of the gist of it it was like this is how much we've done up to now with two people so imagine what we could do you know with 20 or 30 people yeah at what point did you intersect with the Alibaba Hong Kong Entrepreneurs Fund I think it was either around new year's i think it was end of december or early early january 2017 2017 2017 yeah 
and and how did that come about? Yeah, I was I got an email address from a friend, and then of someone in in, in the entrepreneurs fund, and then I, I emailed them, and and then uh, they were interested in a meeting. So that's how we we got in touch. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was a lot of uh, also cold calling and cold emails and warm introductions. So just going on LinkedIn and and trying to find someone and then getting someone to introduce me to them. And once you did, what what was the impression when you actually had the the face to face? How did you feel about it? At the moment, I think we think Alibaba dot com or Alibaba Group has a very great synergy with us. We are happy that the entrepreneur fund, I mean Alibaba entrepreneur fund, would like to meet us. I think we're quite happy at the first meeting. Where did you see the synergy? Alibaba, like Alibaba dot com B two B, they have a lot of supplier there. And they are trying to uh, connect them with some overseas buyer, so they are helping them to generating more businesses. Yeah, we have the same base of customer actually in Hong Kong. And um, and how has Hong Kong Entrepreneurs Fund affected your business? They've been able to help us link up with Alibaba.com, yeah. and then we signed an MOU. MOU, a strategic partnership. Them so now we're actually cross promoting and cross selling our products right now. And also, like uh, we have a better brand of image when Alibaba Fund has uh, inject uh, or have invested into us, so we can tell our customer we are backed by Alibaba Entrepreneur Fund, so to, uh, to give them more uh, confidence. Uh, because we are not bank, we are not well known at the very beginning, but now we are you know have been more uh, famous. So it's it's helped your growth essentially, yeah, 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 and development. Yeah, do yeah. you get advice as well? Uh, sure, yes, of course, because uh, they have uh, a uh, what they call venture partner or their their ma- uh, management partner. The uh, yeah, the Gobi. I mean, yeah, Gobi VC. Um, they have a lot of professionals there, and they can share with us about you know a lot of the different startups that they've invested in and they've helped grow or you know mistakes other people have made so uh, we you know we learn a lot from them too what's next for you guys you've you've raised your money you have the relationship that's enhanced growth for you yeah we've got a couple of new products in our pipeline that that's not only just account receivable financing it's it's going to be different types of financing uh, f- also for 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 small medium businesses and then secondly is that we're looking to you know grow beyond hong kong uh, we're looking at taiwan uh, malaysia singapore vietnam and a lot of these southeast asian countries where you know access to bank financing for smes is actually even harder than it is in hong kong and but a lot of them also quite export heavy as well. So there, you know, there's definitely liquidity issues for them, and we hope to help them solve it because that's uh, that's what Cubital is about. And the name Cubital actually stands for Quick Quality Capital. Are you guys going to need to raise more funds in the near future? Do you think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll need to raise more funds for our country expansion, and we're hopefully looking to do that at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. Knowing what you know now from being successful entrepreneurs, you're still in the middle of this whole game of building up. What would you advise people, if you were starting this again in 2008, what would you advise people who are just getting into a startup company environment? Yeah, be be relentless, but also like flexible at the same time. Yeah, um, so I, I, I read an essay by Paul Graham, um, who's uh, one of the founders of Y Combinator, and he kind of described it as you know, being a, a running back. So 
you know you're always running towards the end zone but sometimes you have to take a couple steps backwards or a couple steps to the side but you're still going forwards so yeah i mean our original idea compared to what it is now has definitely gone through some changes but it wasn't it wasn't enough for us to you know give up completely and i think that's important just to keep going and adapt more specifically the hong kong entrepreneurs fund the ecosystem that they've helped you kind of um get involved in how does that overall affect a startup company i'm not just speaking of yours but if you step back and kind of look at the services it provides describe it you know for a startup company what role does it play what role should it play in development of a startup company yeah i think in terms of actual strategy and, and which direction our, our company is heading in the hong kong entrepreneurs fund is not is very flexible and gives us a lot of freedom uh, but at the same time, if we need to tap into the resources of the greater Alibaba ecosystem, then there's always someone or, or somewhere we can find information or or somebody that we can talk to to learn more. And you know, whether we are able to close that deal or 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 get that partnership is at the end of the day down to us. But just getting that conversation and getting that door open is is a huge deal already. And I think that's a lot of companies that don't. Uh, have the Hong Kong Entrepreneurs Fund's backing or uh, that aren't tapped into this ecosystem, you know, we have a huge advantage already over them. Winston, let me ask you, because you're, you're from Hong Kong, right? Yeah. What's the value add that you see from the Entrepreneurs Fund? Because now we do have something here in Hong Kong that's very entrepreneurial and you guys have, have benefited from it, it sounds like. I think there's uh, two signs. One is uh, in the investment side, because uh, Hong Kong is lack of angel investor. And I mean, in a very professional one. Uh, I remember one of my friends um, told me uh, he is uh, also running a stop, and then his investor, his shareholder, asked for the return in in the very first uh, years of the stop. So uh, the angel investor or, or that angel investor expect to have returns in the first year. So they are not looking for the long term development. So I think entre- I mean, Alibaba entrepreneurs have a very good education or have a very good uh, influence to those Hong Kong investors. It's talking about maybe five years, ten years. Yeah. So uh, it's good for the investor- investment side and they have a f- create a very good influence or, or, or the atmospheres. And for the another side, like uh, we, uh, I mean the entrepreneur or the one who want to find stuff, uh, they know Hong Kong is become more and more open, not like you know past several years. Andy Winston, appreciate the time you took to sit down and, and talk about Cupidal with us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And I hope we can have you back soon. Cheers. You've been listening to Alleycast, a regular podcast from the Alibaba Group. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Adam Najberg.